This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Sarah Sabin is a former startup founder turned transformational leadership coach and consultant who built a six-figure business helping successful leaders of high-growth companies take their businesses to the next level. She also helps other leadership coaches and consultants to build high-value, high-impact coaching practices simply, cost-effectively, and fast. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today, Mark. Now, Right off the bat, you can tell Sarah is from Britain, and I, I've got to give a tip of the hat to my mastermind buddy, Ann Richardson. She is desperately trying to teach me British English. So I'm so thrilled to have you on the show because I'll get the brush up on some of my British language that, that Ann shared with me. Hopefully, I'll be able to not use the vulgar side, but hopefully some of the other British languages uh, as we get to the podcast interview straight away. How was that? That sounds good. I'm going to teach you to speak the Queen's English. Oh, okay. The Queen's <laughs> English. Okay. Is that posh? Because my mastermind buddy tells me that there's a posh English. Is that is the Queen considered posh or is that different? Yes. The Queen is considered posh. Some may think my accent is posh, but actually, I'm just articulate. <laughs> um, I think there's a difference. But actually, funnily enough, my accent changes a little bit depending on who I'm talking to. Well, I've been, uh, my wife and I are big fans of Apple TV Plus, and they have a lot of shows that are filmed in England and London and all that place. And I, I, I admit, I have to have closed captioning on because it's sometimes hard for me to understand. Now, I will tell you, I learned something new. And if a listener doesn't know this, did you realize that, as far as I can tell, only Americans call it a cell phone, the rest of the world called a mobile. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. So we don't do the metric system. Nah, we're not going to call it a mobile. We're going to call it a cell phone. So we're different here in America. But I'm starting to use this British words, and I'm confusing my friends. They're like, mobile yeah that's this is my mobile <laughs> you have the iphone the mobile iphone they're like so i'm just i'm just i like to be the red airing i i like to be the red airing so i'm trying to learn and i love how what you guys call the trunk you call it a boot i, I love that the boot yeah so it's it's funny because sometimes when i'm writing articles so i write for the fast company for example and i have to americanize um <laughs> my grammar before i send it in to my editor so i have to go and put z's or z's yes. <laughs> instead of s's everywhere that is so funny because when my friend will say color she spells it with a u and i'm like you don't know how to say Sell color, and then she says scheduled instead of scheduled. I just we just we just razz each other. It's just so funny. But I love accents, and I am originally from Rochester, New York. I moved to Houston. I don't talk like a southern swang twang, but my wife adapts to the, uh, the accent of where we are. I think that's fascinating. But I just love your accent, and in just a few hours, I'll be having a mastermind call with my my buddy Ann. Now. Listener, if you've never listened to the show, this is actually recorded yesterday. I rolled these out the day after interviewing. So this is like really fresh. We just recorded this yesterday. So I almost called you Anne because you look remarkably like her. You're not Anne. You're Sarah. <laughs> that would be very <laughs> embarrassing. You're like, I'm not Anne. Who's this Anne person? <laughs> so let's talk about you're a transformational 
leadership coach and consultant. What does that mean? Explain to us what that means in your world. So what that means in my world is, and actually I'm going to start by talking about my mission. Okay. Um, All of us have encountered over the course of our careers and lives, leaders that do not lead very well. Mm. So leaders that got to where they are because they're technically brilliant, they have a certain job title, but they're just not very good at leading people. And so part of the reason why I started this is because, you know, I thought there needs to be a new paradigm of leadership. There needs to be conscious leadership. There needs to be um, ethical entrepreneurs. There needs to be um, a new way of looking at management and leadership. So having done my transformational coaching qualification, this was a few years back, I thought, right, let's take this and make this into something that leaders of high-growth businesses are really going to find valuable to help them get to the next level. Because anyone can start a business, but it's the scaling up process that can prove difficult. Because, again, just because you're an amazing entrepreneur, just because you started something does not make you necessarily really good at leading people. Yeah, I just want to interject right there when you said anyone can start a business. Um, a lot of people know my story, but if you don't, I was fired from my job back in July 2005. And I was just wandering around aimlessly in the wonderful world of entrepreneurship. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. And I was just spending money here, there, and everywhere. And I lost a lot of money because I had no clarity. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I found a guy recently, about two years ago, Grant Cardone. He wrote the 10X Rule and a couple other mm. best-selling books. And he said something that to this day really speaks to me. He says, posting on social media is like kicking bricks into the ocean. And what he meant by that is a lot of people, they'll post once a week or once a month or a couple times a week. And in our world that we have so many social media sites and there's billions of people online you just can't write one post or one article or do one Instagram reel or do one podcast. It's just not going to make a difference. And I think because everyone could start a business, people don't realize that you can't open a business because I did this and think that you're going to be flooded with clients and make hundreds of millions of dollars or in your case, hundreds of millions of pounds. It doesn't happen. People are like, okay, so you're another one started a business. Yawn. Who cares? It's anybody can start a business, but to your point, to scale it, that's an entirely different animal. Yes, 100%. But even to even at the early stages, to start making money, if you don't focus on core activities that you need to do, and you're 100% right, do it consistently, then you're not even going to start making consistent income <laughs> to mm-hmm. start doing anything that you can later scale up. Now, I would think that people, when they have an idea to start a business, they shouldn't just go out and get, well, go get the domain. If you think you have a cool domain, it's only like 20 bucks a year. But I think before you hang your shingle out, you need to go, okay, 
I've got an idea. How do I know this idea is going to make me money? And in this day and age of the internet, you can really search that. You can go on social media. You can ask people and not spend a lot of money. A lot of people, they're building these infrastructures in place before they release the product. I did that. When I came up with my first course, I didn't ask anybody, hey, do you want a course about the basics of productivity? I just released it because someone told me, hey, you should have a course. And I didn't go to my audience and say, did you want this? Now, that course didn't sell very well because I put the cart before the horse. Mm, I think a lot of people just kind of start with an idea. And as you say, they don't really know that people want it. And so they get stuck in the part where they're like, right, I need to niche or I need a product or I need anything just to get out there and start doing stuff. You know, obviously, you've got to start somewhere and you've got to make certain assumptions. So let's say you you have a service-based business. You have to start with something. Okay, so I think my audience might like this particular type of service offering and I'm selling it to this particular type of person. But until you actually get out there and speak to people... And use that to start refining that offering. You don't know whether it's really going to be a success or not. And I think, I think that's what people don't understand when, you know, the hours and hours you spend, for example, tweaking a website, mm. it means nothing to anyone. <laughs> I mean, when, I, when I first started this coaching business, I didn't even have a website. Why? Because I was like, well, I don't even know what I'm trying to say to people yet. I need to actually speak to people <laughs> and yeah. understand more about them and use that to inform and tweak. I will tell you, I think it's really important to build your email list because you don't want to rely on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or whatever social media platforms are out there. You need to have your own email list. But I have a course, I have a membership, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching, I have a blog, I have a podcast. But if you're just starting, I, I think you could get by with a really simple website that maybe just captures people's email address and say, hey, listen, I'm going to send you out periodic emails because then you could begin to develop that relationship. You don't need to create a course. You don't need to create a membership. You don't have to create a podcast. You need to map out. And after you find out what people want, map out how to best provide it. I think people are in such a hurry. I know we live in a microwave society. We want to hang our shingle out on Monday and be a billionaire on Tuesday. That doesn't happen. You, We look at Elon Musk, who's buying Twitter. He didn't become a multi-billionaire overnight. He worked many, many years. He had many, many failures. And people don't see that side. That's why I'm fascinated to study people, where they came from, how they got to be where they are now, because everybody, I don't care what your name is, unless you're a trust fund baby, or maybe in your case, a member of royalty, you know, the monarch over there, <laughs> you know. You have to work really hard to make a dent in the universe to do uh, to get a nod to Steve Jobs. And I'm really, really glad you mentioned that because Elon Musk actually was nearly bankrupt uh, mm -hmm. at one point. And, you know, one of my clients, for example, had the most traumatic uh, upbringing, um, was in and out of prison during his teenage years. And then managed to end up as CTO in Silicon, uh, as a CTO in Silicon Valley back in the 2000s. And 
after that, there's been a whole journey of failure, success, failure, success, failure, success. That's just the way it rolls. Like, actually, if you're failing, that's a good thing because you're trying stuff. But I think, you know, in the beginning, at least, people tend to try and do too much at once. In the Mm -hmm. beginning of your business, nothing should replace proactively reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, you know, posting on Facebook like once a week. It doesn't mean doing millions of Instagram videos unless that's getting you in front of your target audience. I think it's interesting that people are looking for the shortcut. And to me, a shortcut is to study at the feet of a master, whether it's Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, Brendan Burchard, Tony Robbins. That is the shortcut to sit there and they can say, listen, instead of you taking 30 years to do this, let me tell you how, how I did it. You could do it in a couple of years. That's a shortcut. People are looking at social media as a shortcut. And let's be honest. I believe Pareto's principle is alive and well. I believe 80% of the people on social media are struggling. You have the 20% who are doing really well, but people like go, wow, Instagram reels is hot. Yeah, it's hot, but you can't just do Instagram reels. You can't just write magazine articles. You have to try and do as much as you can because as Grant Cardone writes very well in his 10X rule book, we, most of us have what's known as an obscurity problem. That means people don't know who we are. How do people know who we are? Well, Creating a course isn't going to make people know who we are. Posting value on social media or writing, in your case, Fast Company or writing a blog for someone's website or being a guest on a podcast, that is getting people to know who you are. But people don't want to do that. They say, what is the one thing I can do to become a multi-multi-millionaire? And I say to them, well, go marry a multi-multi-millionaire. That's the only shortcut I can come up with. Yep. I'm going to go do that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, in all seriousness, um, I I kind of separate out marketing activities into short-term and long-term. So short-term marketing activities, in my definition of it, are things you can do that will generate revenue very quickly. Long-term marketing is more about things that will enhance your credibility so you're visible, so you're out there, so eventually people can find you. Um, But it takes a while to build that up. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So when I started writing, uh, I write for Entrepreneur Magazine and The Fast Company, I didn't think that that would make me into a millionaire overnight. I did know it would enhance my credibility and increase the impact of my short-term marketing activities, which is basically where I reach out to people and start building relationships directly through various methods. And, you know, there are various things you can do. There is no one way. I think that's what people don't understand. They're looking for the one thing, the one Mm -hmm. quick fix, the one. There is no the one. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life. So why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90 days to bustingoverwhelm.com. 
That's really important for anyone who wants to grow any business. There is not one thing you can do. Even if I manage to get Elon Musk to tweet about my website, I would get a bunch of hits like right away, might even crash my website. But that effect would go away pretty quickly because it was one tweet. So people go, if Oprah could just tweet one. No, it would last very, you get a big bump and it would, it, how are you going to do it sustainably? Cause she's not going to tweet you every day or every week for the rest of your life. You get one big bump. And so to your point, you got to do something that's sustainable. How do you sustainably get people to find your website, to follow you, to give you money every week, every day? Or in some cases, like Grant Cardone, every hour, that's my goal, to get people to pay me every hour, 24 hours a day. It's sustainability. So that takes a lot of work, hard work, but it's got to be intentional work. A lot of people, they don't want to do the work. And and part of that work, and I know you agree with me here, Sarah, you're going to make mistakes. Elon Musk made mistakes. You're going to do something. Well, that didn't work. Let me try this. That's part of growing on your journey to being a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, 100%. If you're not prepared to fail, then don't start a business at all. <laughs> and um, I'm not saying that in the respect of, well, you're going to fail, so why even bother? If mm -hmm. you're committed to doing something and you're committed to doing it for the right reasons, you'll find a way. The initial way that you thought might be right, might have failed, might have not worked out, but because you have the commitment behind it, you're like, well, I'm going to find another way. Yeah. And that's a, that's essentially what any billionaire has done testing and tweaking and experimenting and then scaling and diversifying. I think part of the problem that I see, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, is the crippling disease of comparatitis. In other words, you look at other people. Oh, they're doing this and they're doing this, but they're not you. They don't have your message. And I think it's okay to learn from other people and to look and see, oh, that's working with them. I wonder how I could use that, maybe tweak it for my career, my business, my brand. But what people are trying to do is they spend so much time comparing themselves to other people, but that's not moving the ball towards your goals. All you're trying to do is be a mini Grant Cardone or a mini Gary Vaynerchuk or a mini Tony Robbins. You don't want to be that. You want to be your own unique self because when it comes down to it, you can go to Google and find everything you want to know about productivity without consulting me. But mm -hmm. I have my own take on things mm -hmm. and you have your take on things. And so I think people really, I know it's in the age of social media, it's really hard not to compare yourself with other people, mm -hmm. but I don't see any advantage to doing that. Do you? No, you actually used a word I'm very fond of using, comparisonitis. <laughs> You said it much better than I do. <laughs> In my British accent, obviously. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's just so dangerous because actually you're comparing yourself with all your internal thoughts and struggles and mindset to an external perception that someone else is allowing you to see. So in the words of Rich Litvin, who is one of my favorite transformational coaches, he says, when you're comparing yourself, you're comparing how you are on the inside with how they are on the outside. Mm. So it's not a true comparison. And all it is doing is making you feel bad 
And the worse you feel, it starts to have a knock-on impact. The less clarity you have, the more you go off track, the less you can hear, you know, the things that you actually want to be doing to grow your business because you're so busy trying to compare yourself to everyone else. That And it's so easy to fall into that mode of comparing yourself to other people that I do it sometimes and I'll catch myself and I'm like, whoa, okay, what? how is this serving me and how is this serving the people I'm trying to serve? And that's why I've made it a practice when I go on social media, I'm pushing out content, but very rarely will I engage on content. Now, the one platform I do engage a lot in is on LinkedIn. I have a lot of followers on LinkedIn and I get a lot of engagement. I did get next to nothing on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. So I do not spend a lot of time on those platforms, but a lot of my clients are on LinkedIn. And this brings me to another point. You may not like a platform, but if your people are on that platform, you need to be on there. So I have a friend of mine who told me that most of her clients and prospects are on Instagram and TikTok. And she goes, I'll be on Instagram, but I don't like TikTok. I'm like, do you want to be where your people are or not? You may not like TikTok, but if that's where your people are, you have to be on TikTok. That's the way you're going to grow your business. You don't have to like it, but if you want to reach those people, you have to be where they are. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, my main platform of choice is LinkedIn because that's where my people are. And I've just actually recently started using Facebook and Instagram as I'm diversifying my offerings. But if you're not where your people are, you're you're just kind of throwing stuff at a wall Mm -hmm. and hoping that something sticks and you're hoping that by some miracle your actual ideal client may have changed their pattern of being (laughs) (laughs) and uh, come across your piece of content or whatever you've put out that yeah hope is not a strategy okay now i will tell you what i do is every day i record a video a 30 second video i will put that on instagram i will put it on instagram stories i will put it on twitter i will put it on tiktok i will put it on snapchat yes i'm 56 year old i love snapchat and i'll put it on linkedin okay now why do i do that you you may be saying mark you just said your audience isn't really on twitter well they are on twitter i haven't found them or they haven't found me yet But I have a piece of content and I still push it out there to all the social media platforms because I already recorded the video. Why not put it everywhere? Mm. That's the way I look at it. Now, I I approach it a little bit differently. Like on LinkedIn, I'll post the 30 second video and then I'll put a cleaned up version of the transcript so you can either read it or watch the video or both or whatever. But you need to get the content out there. People don't know you exist. You know you exist. Your mama knows you exist. Or as they say in England, your mom knows you exist. But the rest of the world doesn't. And like I only have like, I think 28 people follow me on Twitter. But it only takes one person to find me and say, I want to invest in your coaching. You don't need to have an audience like Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk. One person could say, you know what? I saw Sarah's stuff on on Twitter. She's got three followers. They become a client. Do you think Sarah cares if she has three 
followers on Twitter or 3 million. She just got a client. And I think people are looking at how many followers they have as a metric. The other people that find your stuff, they're not looking at that. They're looking at your content and go, wow, Sarah made a good point in this tweet or Sarah made a good point in this video. I'm going to reach out to her. That's how the game works. They don't go, well, wait a minute. She didn't have a million followers. I'm going to go to the next person. That's reality. Yeah. This this whole thing about followership, there are people with huge followings that don't make any money. Mm -hmm. So essentially it's a vanity project of (laughs) how many, um, how many followers can you build? And that's a a business vanity metric as well. Because let me tell you, I mean, I love LinkedIn, but I did not even start posting content regularly on LinkedIn until what year are we in now? 2022. It was was like around February, 2021. Okay. Right. Before that, I simply was doing a proactive outreach strategy to build my network, build my connections proactively. And later I implemented a content strategy. But the beauty of doing it that way is you've built up your connections with your target audience and then they follow your content over a period of time. And even if, you know, it doesn't turn into anything for a year, this happens to me all the time. They'll come, they'll come pop up randomly one day and say, hey, Sarah, Mm -hmm. uh, just saw this video that you did. Can we have a conversation? That is that is so important. You have to be in it for the long game. One of the things I learned from Marie Folio many years ago is on your homepage, never have your social media links. Everyone has their social media links because what happens is if they happen to find your website and they go to your website and like, oh, they're on Facebook, they click your Facebook icon, they're gone. They're gone because now they're looking at baby pictures and vacation pictures and they forgot about you. So when you go to my homepage, all you see is you have my navigation that says, hey, sign up to be on my email list. Now, once you get on my email list, the next page will give you all my social media profiles because I want you on my list first before you get my social stuff. Because I have, I can control the narrative on my email list. A lot of people, you go on their site and it just directs into social media. And if you think they're going to remember to come back to your site after they go to Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, they're not going to do that. And so my suggestion, which I got from Marie Forleo, I took her course. It's not like I know her, is remove the social media icons from your homepage. Don't let them see it until after they give you an email list. That is such a small tweak that you can do that'll get people in your playpen, in your sandbox, instead of Instagram, that it's worked massive to me. So what happens is people sign up to my email list, my email list grows, and now I have a better chance of somebody reading one of my emails than seeing one of my content on social media. That's just the fact. Mm, I'd never heard that before, but it it does completely make sense. Well, now you have. (laughs) I've learned something new today. Now you could check that off. See, I, I strive to learn something new every single day, and I hope I served you with that little tip. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to talk about today? Because I know you have a lot to offer, but I don't want to tell everybody everything because in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you where we can find out more about you. So is there anything you want to share with us that would bring value to the listener? So in terms of having 
a business and having business success, there are two key words, focus. Focus on your vision. If you don't know what your vision is, get to know what your vision is. Uh-huh. Focus on creating an offer or product or whatever that your market wants and experiment and test and refine that and focus on a few marketing strategies and be clear what you want from those marketing strategies and then do it consistently and the results will follow. I love and that. It sounds simple. <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> things. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. Exactly. Do you know that up until two weeks ago, I did not have a mission for my company, my business, my brand. Now I do. I went to a workshop. It was a clarity workshop. And now I have what Jim Collins calls a big, hairy, audacious goal. And I and I am so excited about this because now I'm even more excited than I was before. So I call myself Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Now I'm Tigger on steroids. So my vision, my mission my big, hairy, audacious goal is I am obsessed with helping 100 million solo solopreneurs bust through overwhelm by 2032. Now, that is a huge goal. And when people read that on my social media platform, they reach out to me and like, wow, that's fascinating. Now it's like, now it's not just about me. Now it's about helping 100 million solopreneurs. And what happens is people are leaning into that, like, wow, how are you going to do that? How can I help you achieve that goal? Because if I can get people to overcome overwhelm, well, guess what happens? Now they have more freedom. They're happier. They're less stressed. They're less frustrated. They have less physical ailments. And who wouldn't want to be part of that mission? So I encourage everyone. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, a solopreneur, entrepreneur, if you're CEO, you should have your own big, hairy, audacious goal. You should have your own personal mission that gets you so excited to wake up every day and serve the world. And it doesn't, if you don't accomplish it, no one's going to come out and say, hey, Mark, uh, you are not podcast interviewing Sarah, you know, back in 2022, and you said this, and how's it going? You failed. They're not going to do that. But just having that goal allows people to lean into you. Yeah. I Well, first of all, to say, I love that BHAG, <laughs> <laughs> to, to use the shortened version of that. And yeah, it's so important. Um, and it becomes, again, to use another brilliant insight from Rich Litvin, when you have a goal like that, it's a place to come from, not to get to, because, you know, it's it's so far away that you just can't see the how right now. Mm-hmm. So you've just got to take steps every day to move closer towards that. And I think as coaches, you know, it's okay to set goals like that because it's the network effect of what you do. So you help one solopreneur who helps other solopreneurs who, and and before you know it, you're getting closer and closer to that hundred million. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I have to help a hundred million people. You just illustrated it very beautifully. I help one, they help another one. Now that's two. They help each, they each help one. Now it's four. So I want to help everyone overcome overwhelm. And I, I just, I'm just so fired up about that. And I, I, I share it all the time. I actually write it every day. 
I have, I have Grant Cardone's 10X Planner. He's got a spot for quote of the day. And I write that BHAG every day. And every time I write it, I get chills. I'm like, man, this is a really, really exciting thing that I'm going to serve 100 million people or more. And I'm, I could do it through coaching, through my podcast, through my blog, through my email, through social media. I just want to help rid the world of overwhelm because overwhelm paralyzes you because it, it, it you get shortness of breath you lose hope you just you, you just have no sense of vibrancy and i want to help people get out from under that so i really appreciate you being on the show you gave us a lot of insight so where can we go to find out more about what you're doing in the world so if you would like to find out more please do visit my website which is sarahsabin.com uh sarah without an h Although in the US, actually, you usually spell Sarah without an H. So, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I also have a free ebook for coaches called Six Myths on Building a Six Figure Business and What to Do Instead, which you can find at sarahsabin.com slash guide. Okay, so six myths. Wet our appetite. Give us one of those myths. Don't don't go into detail, but just give us uh, a couple sentences about the first myth because I want to wet people's appetite to go out and get this guide. So the f- one myth is that you have to do some complicated marketing strategies in order to get to a six-figure business. Mm, wow. Complicated and expensive, I should add. Now that should whet your appetite, listener. Okay, so you're like, wait a minute. I thought I spent hundred million, hundred thousand dollars. Well, she just gave you a little taste of what's in that guide. So you want to know more about it? You want to know what the other five myths are? Then go to sarahsabin.com forward slash guide and find out what they are. Don't wonder. Go get the guide. It's free. So go get the guide. I'm going to get the guy because I'm now I'm curious. I want to know what the other myths are. So, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights and thank you for bringing your incredible British accent. I've got to share this episode with my my friend Ann Richardson because she talks just like you, and um, I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and this conversation was an absolute pleasure. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.